So Duncan, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. How are you? Yeah, really good? good, thank you. Nice to uh, be at the house and actually uh, see people in person, which is, is great. And obviously, known you guys a long time, so great yeah. to come over and uh, spend some time with you. Well, we have. We have. We've known you for probably over 10 years now, at least, yeah. I would say. And it's, it's interesting that... You know, we've got some projects that we're embarking on with you, which is fantastic. And obviously you do some work with, with Aaron Rye, who obviously we work with as well. But I think it'd be great for anyone listening to this to understand exactly what you do for the European Tour, for European Tour players, PGA Tour players. What is it you actually do? Okay, so at 15th Club, we do quite a lot of things with golfers and with, with um, stakeholders and brands, for example. But with golfers particularly, um, we work with the European Tour um, about four or five years ago, um, we realised that there was quite a gap in, in the level of stats that the players have on the European Tour compared to what happens on PGA Tour. So when trying to compare players um, that play predominantly on the European Tour with players on the PGA Tour, there was quite, a, quite a, a, a disconnect because there was no strokes gained. So working with the European Tour, we came up with a, a software solution which allowed um, the players to collect their data um, during the rounds, um, enter it into our system and then it starts to generate strokes gain numbers. So over the last few years we've probably collected uh, several million shots now which allows us to sort of analyse the, the players' games but allows the players themselves to, to analyse their games and understand where they're playing well, how they've played versus the rest of the field and then in turn allows them to improve and, and work on the areas they, they need to really. And, and from that we've, you know, we've developed in using our insights to work in the media with Sky Sports and some stuff with the Golf Channel. And, and Fox and CBS, um, as well as um, working with brand partners as well and helping them, you know, use use insights to sort of improve their their content with um, the golfers they work with. So yeah, we're working with a lot of things at the moment, but uh, I particularly work with the golfers and and the golf teams. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think it's a it's an interesting one because from from the listeners to this, they'll watch golf and they'll see people practicing and all the rest of it, but they don't necessarily see the the, the behind the scenes stats yeah, exactly. work. How many players now are really tuned in and are, and are really structuring a lot of what they do based on their stats? I think it varies. I think, I think it would be fair to say most players now, on PGA Tour especially and probably on European Tour since we've been, we've been able to provide that information. I think at some level everyone probably looks at their stats, whether you're into stats or not. I think there are players that probably look at how they played and then you go from that level of just looking to the players that have people like us working with them to analyse their stats, track their stats, give them reports um, and in turn like Xander that allows them to, to structure their practice a bit better, to understand the areas to work on and, and also prepares them for tournaments where they, they're given information to how to beat that golf course rather than just how to play golf. So it's, yeah. it's a case of what am I going to face this week and how am I going to tackle this golf course because I know I'm going to face a lot of shots from 120 to 140. I'm not going to see a lot of shots from 50 to 75, so they can target their practice to know what they're going to face that week. And then in turn, after the event, they can look at the numbers and stats and, and start tracking how they've played that week and how that bears out, how they've played over the season. So it gives them and their teams around and their coaches you know, a focus on what they can work on. Yeah, they're so, not guessing, are they? Which is the key thing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're talking small margins now, aren't we? <coughs> all oh, of the, the totally. top 200 players in the world, they're all really good players. Exactly. Now. The level is, is really high but the, the the differences are so small so yeah. they need every advantage they get it's almost like a formula one pit crew now but you exactly. that's your job isn't it exactly but, uh, but so th for instance of the, the time of doing this we were actually at the uh, belfry 
and um, the tournament's at the Belfry. And he's just pointing at me saying I'm actually rubbing my mic there, so apologies <laughs> if there's any audio there. Just keep What's tapping wrong with it? Keep tapping it. I can't hear anything. I've got the headphones on. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> just, just wrap it around your neck a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Funny. Right, OK. I'm going to find a way of wrapping it around my arm. OK. But anyway, sorry. We're at, obviously, the Belfry, yeah. here at the Brabazon course. How are the players preparing for that golf course? I mean, a lot of people listening to this would have seen it in Ryder Cups. It's a difficult golf course. Yeah. Um, we've had some a lot of rain as well, but what, yeah. what sort of insights have you been giving the players for this week? Yeah, I mean, Brabazon is quite tricky actually because of, there's not been any any tournaments there since probably 15 years now. Mm. It's, it's quite a tricky golf course, so a lot of the a lot of this week is around um, speaking to the teams once they've got to the course on a Monday, Tuesday, asking the caddies to then track some data for us in the practice round, so we can go back to the players and say, look, we think that the strategy is, for example, at Belfry, I think the par fives you know are quite gettable, yep. quite a lot of them. So I think I think there's that. That dynamic that they can attack. I think the um, the weather recently has been very, you know, rainy. So I think the course is soft. So I think it's going to play very long. So I think it's um, a lot of practice around these long approach shots into greens. Yeah. Um, and then there's always a the tenth hole. You know, what do you do there? So um, <laughs> what do you do on the tenth hole? Because we played that hole so many times. Exactly. We, we always want to pull the driver <laughs> three two balls in it. That's what we do. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What what, what do you think is the best strategy on that hole? I don't know. I think I think for me, I think. Um, with the conditions as they are, I would probably say Thursday, Friday, you'd want to be playing it down the left and and seeing if you can get up and down for a birdie there. I think on a Sunday, if you if you need to make make a charge up the leaderboard, I think you should be able to get the driver out. Hit a big so, high cut. Yeah, and long right's fair. Make sure you make sure you make sure you cut it. Long right and hit that bank and come down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But maybe it will stick in the bank at the moment. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I think it's you probably would. I'm the same as you. I've played it enough and. Uh, I don't know. You always want to have a go for it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and especially when the tees forward, we played it the weekend, it was like three wood, easy three wood. Anyone who doesn't know what the 10th hole of the Belfry is, it's 200 and anything from 240 to 300 mm. yards downhill yeah. par four. So everyone's going, well, you should <laughs> go for the green, but there's water all around the front yeah. left, there's big trees on the right. So it is tricky, but when you hit a nine iron off the tee and a <laughs> pitching wedge, you just feel like you're cheating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a typical perfect risk and reward hole, isn't it? it? Is. And, and this is a lot of the kind of stuff we do with the players on strategy. It's like, does the does the reward outweigh the risk? You know, if the risk is like, you know, the risk is you're going to make par, but the reward is, you know, you can make eagle. That's great. For example, the whole um, attempt at Riviera, where mm. it's the same sort of length probably, yep. but there's no there's no trouble really other than the mm. bunker. With the Belfry is, you know, the water changes the dynamic totally, doesn't it? So yeah. I think the risk, the risk is, is, is fairly significant yeah. there if you're not confident of knocking it on. And it's probably not even a driver for some of the guys. No, no. I'd say it's probably I'd like to see that. It's, 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 it's a shame you can't be there this week. It is a shame, it is a shame. Now I know Andy's going to talk about the Ryder Cup because you've done a lot of work with the Ryder Cup. But before we get into that, it would be, we have to talk, and you've mentioned it several times already, strokes gained. Yeah. For people listening to this, it's not making any noise, Andy, trust me, I can't hear anything on the audio. <laughs> for, for people listening to, to this now, and they might not know what strokes gained is, yeah. or it's a bit complicated. Yeah. Layman's terms, what okay. is it? Okay, so layman's terms, strokes gained basically gives you a, a value of your shot um, to tell you how good or bad you played that shot versus how you should have done. Um, best example of it is, is if you had two players playing a par four, both of you could hit the drive down the middle of the fairway, so you'd get equal value for that drive. So if you hit it long and straight down the middle, you'll probably gain half a shot versus um, what people normally do. They slice it to the tree. Yeah, slice it to the tree to my left. Player A could then hit that ball 40 foot away from the pin, and player B would hit it one foot from the pin. Both of them hold their putts. So in the old traditional stats, you'd have, they both hit the fairway, they both hit the green, 
They both had one putt and they both made a birdie. So traditional stats, they would have played that hole the same. Mm-hmm. In the new strokes gained, player A who's hit it to 40 foot would have got probably marked down, as it were, less value on his approach shot because he's hit it quite far from the pin. Um, player B would have got a lot more value for his approach play because mm-hmm. he's hit it to a foot. And then the player player B would, player A would have got the value in the long putt holding. Yep. So if you looked at their numbers on strokes gained, you'd see both did well driving. Player A's approach play is probably not as good as it should be. Player B's approach play is excellent. Uh, and then the putting... The player A's putting player A's putting's hold it for void was pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Player B is hold a one foot, so he's neither really done here or there. Yeah. But that's a very simple way of explaining it, but it shows how two people who on paper look like they've played the hole exactly the same mm-hmm. actually have played it very differently. Yeah, it's another layer deeper than just yeah. fairways yeah, exactly. and greens, exactly isn't it? Right, which, yeah. is, uh, which is pretty important to know for these guys, but yeah. obviously we're for the best exactly. in the world, but also for amateurs as well. Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, I mean for amateurs, it's around, <coughs> I think, at a basic level, if you can start collecting that, 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 you know, how many fairways did I hit, how many greens have I hit, where did I miss is really important. And then you can start over time, if you know after 18 holes you've, you've, you've tracked that basic data, after 10 rounds with your mates, you can see that 70 or 80% of your misses are left. Yeah. And that's when you can start speaking to your coaches or you, yeah, know, yeah. you guys are looking at videos, example, just yeah, to see yeah. right, why am I missing left all the time. Um, and it's, it's just knowing your, knowing your faults and knowing what you're doing wrong rather than holding a 30-foot putt on the last and thinking, oh, I've put it great today. Yeah. That might not tell the true story. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's taken away that bias. Yeah, and yeah. I think we always see it, don't be Pearson, when, when somebody comes for a lesson to us and we say, how can we help you? What's, what do you need improvement on? And, uh, and then they'll often tell you something and then you get them on the golf course and it is totally different to what they think they need. What exactly. their perception is of what they need help with yeah. is totally skewed because there's emotion and, and so it's getting the facts behind it, isn't it? People remember the, the worst and the best shots. Yeah. And then they think and that, and that perception of I've, I've driven it badly or I've putted yeah. well is, is sometimes skewed. Yeah. And people tend to practice what they're good at. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's something that um, I'm sure amateurs, you, you face with amateurs as well. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Okay, well, let's talk about the, the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Now, for the people who don't know this, actually, we first met Duncan, because Duncan, for the people who listen to this, I'm sure you've seen some of our YouTube stuff, we're at the Asprey. Duncan used to be the pro at the Asprey, and this was how long ago, Duncan? Oh, five, six years ago. Five, now. six years yeah. ago. So Duncan was the pro at the Asprey, and... Over the last few years, he's had now an opportunity, we're now working with Stats, to actually work at two Ryder Cups and a President's Cup. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, before we talk about what you did then, I mean, that just must have been a, I mean, a, a crazy experience, an incredible experience. What was it like? Yeah, I mean, the actual week itself, it, 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 the, the four practice days seem to take forever because <laughs> you're just waiting for it to start and the excitement's building. And then the three tournament days go in a flash. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's excellent. We we are fortunate enough to we've worked with Darren and then with Thomas, and then with Ernie at the Presidents Cup, um, and working with them from sort of eighteen months out, really helping them from everything from from you know how the course should potentially be set up to who plays well together, why they play well together, who should pair in foursomes and foursomes, uh, foursomes and four balls, um, who the wildcard pick should be, um, and using. Using, using stats and data to sort of supplement their own gut feeling and the decisions they're making with the team. So we always say that the analytics and stats aren't everything, but it's a real good objective view of, you know, what, what would be good and what would be bad. Um, so, you know, with, with Darren and with Thomas, it was, they were suggesting pairings and we'd run the numbers and say, yeah, that looks good to us or maybe not do that. Yeah. Um, and it was just more, Darren was really the, the sort of key to this in the first, first instance, of, was quite forward thinking to try and, move away from 
these two players are Swedish, these two players are Spanish, let's play them together, mm-hmm. um, which has worked well in the past sometimes, but sometimes not. And more around, these two are playing foursomes together, how do their games complement each other? Yeah. What do they do? But yeah, as an experience, unbelievable, inside the ropes, um, walking walk and watching the Ryder Cup, it's um, always watched it on telly, so it was an amazing experience. You, you, you actually um, find it harder to, to track what's going on a little bit because you're not having cut from shot to shot yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, the TV, so it's listening to cheers <coughs> and then yeah. trying to get on your phone it and was see <laughs> who's done what, or get on the radio and work out what's happened. But uh, no, it's great. Everyone, the European team is successful because the whole team buy into whatever the captain wants to do, um, from stats to psychology stuff, from from team meetings, the whole team always buys into what he wants to do um, and work as a team and, and it's been a great experience. And again with, with Ernie at the President's Cup, very similar, um, helping him with the pair of decisions and, and he made a conscious effort last year to, to try and change the direction of the international team to which is a little bit of a harder dynamic actually than the European team because of, you know, the, the, there's a lot of different cultures and languages in the international team which makes it quite harder. Sometimes you, you're pairing people that don't even speak the same language. So yeah. it was trying to trying to use um, stats and data to make sure that that didn't become a barrier and yeah. the team were confident enough and the, the, the manager, you know, Ernie and the vice captain were confident enough to go with those teams even though that, that was a barrier and put, put the abilities of the players sort of ahead of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and it worked really well and um, again, very close that time as well. So what what happens, you mentioned about suggesting pairings, so foursomes (laughs) pairings and four balls pairings. How can you, what would you look for in a foursomes pairing? In a foursomes pairing, in in a foursomes pairing, you're almost almost wanting players who are are similar in games. Um, And four balls, you can almost go a bit opposites because you're quite happy to have someone that's quite gung-ho playing with someone that's fairly fairly, um, conservative. But on four balls initially, if you're looking at two players and they're both excellent par five players, but but weak par three players. You'd probably not want to pair them together so much because you don't want all your eggs in one basket yeah. on the par five and struggle on the par yeah. par threes. But foursomes are much more important with the pairings, and that's around um, understanding the golf course as well in the first instance. So it's understanding um, who tees off the odds and evens, which will then put best ball striker on the holes where they're going to be hitting shots into the green. For yeah. example, in Paris, we knew that hole 15, 16. Um, 17 was all going to be um, second because it's par 4, par 3, par 4 it's, mm-hmm. it was always a crucial ball striker there so you, you'd make sure that your ball striker was playing those shots but it's around um, if someone for example had really poor stats out of semi-rough and they weren't a very good semi-rough player you wouldn't want to pair them with someone that was fairly erratic, erratic at the yeah, you'd yeah, want to pair them with someone that was very straight and accurate and you want players to be playing in positions they're used to as well so you'd want someone that was hitting second shots from places they're comfortable with and distances they're good. So if Rory, we know Rory's leaving someone a lot of 120, 30 yard shots, you want to pair him with someone that you know is stellar with the wedge in the hand. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and some, some players' games, <coughs> and this is where the golf course is important, Hazeltine not so much because the Americans chopped all the rough and all the trees down, so <laughs> it, wasn't so, it wasn't so important. But in, in Paris, it was very tight. It was really important to know which players' games suited foursomes and which players' games suited four balls because um, I think the Americans on day one, they had Phil and Bubba playing foursomes in the afternoon, which was music to our ears, but you know, yeah. they're not they're Two both, golfers. both great golfers, but around that golf course, yeah. you, you, the team playing them were winning holes off the tee shots because the ball were. was gone and lost. Uh, so yeah, that, just, was, that just was the European fans uh, standing on the ball, though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really happen. But that is interesting, isn't it? So, so just on that, do you think that the Americans they probably just missed out on that one? Then, if they if they did those sort of things, there would have been a reasoning for that pairing. Yeah, 
but maybe it wasn't the best relative to the yeah, course. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's hard. I mean, hindsight's easy for anyone, and if they've gone and won, they'd everyone's in a great pain. But it's, it was hard. To, it's hard to understand the thinking behind putting players out of quite a rough, especially on that golf course, because that golf was all about it was so tight. Fair, yeah, it's so tight. You had to, mm. the rough was penal. You had to hit fairways. Had to hit greens. Um, and this is where the advantage comes in in knowing the players' games and strengths and, and understanding. Right, we need our most accurate ball strikers and team, you know players off the tee playing in foursomes because we've got to hit fairways and yeah. greens. Um, and it's just understanding that. And, and you know, Thomas event Thomas, you know, decided on the pairings. You know, that's his decision. We yeah. just we just give him the information to say what we think works and what doesn't work. And then you've got to add in all the softer factors like personalities. We could suggest a pairing. Yeah, and we might not know that those two players can't stand each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you've got to add in all the softer factors. I thought factors. they all got on. Well. I thought they all got on well. <laughs> you've got to add in all the softer factors like personality, about fitness. You know, we don't. We're not privy to some of that information about how many times players can play. So mm. we just give the information to the team, and then they they can make those decisions. But yeah. um, the key for us was was around making sure that, um, especially on day one, the data suggests that if you get all twelve players out on the golf course on the first day. Yeah. Their performance over the week is, is better. People that don't play day one tend to struggle. Um, and it was around um, making sure no matter what happens in the morning, you stick to the same plan in the afternoon that you'd already worked out with the players because knee-jerking off of a, what happens in a four-ball performance might not necessarily relate to a foursomes match, which is a totally different, totally yeah. different game. So, so, so you, you have to be... So it's interesting you're saying there, so obviously there's a plan as well. But sometimes, obviously, if you put out your, what you think is your best parents yeah. in the morning, and for instance, if one of them yeah. loses, yeah. it's easy to have a knee-jerk reaction yeah. if they were planning to go in the afternoon. I think you've got an example of Tyrrell yeah. hasn't you? So in four, it was always a plan that um, Tyrrell and um, Paul Casey were going to play together on both the foursomes Friday and Saturday. Um, and on the Friday morning, they actually lost. I think it was on, I think it was to DJ and Brooks maybe on the last on the last green they lost, um, or maybe lost just before that. But um, it would have been easy for Thomas to say, well, that they've lost. That's yeah. not actually worked. But because we were collecting data and we looked at the stats, that the best two performing players of the morning session were actually Tyrrell and Paul Casey. Yeah. They'd just come up against a pairing that were just playing out their skin. Yeah. So from the European players, they'd played the best, they'd worked as a pairing, it just meant that they'd lost to a, a better guys on the days. And if they'd have played any other pairing that day, they'd have won. Yeah. So that gave Thomas the confidence to put them back out again on Saturday morning when they went and actually won and played, played great again. So. Yeah. I think I think in the olden days with no stats, you might think, oh, that pairing's not worked, we'll exactly. split them up or we won't play them again. But the underlying numbers show that actually they perform better than the three pairs, or the, or the pair that won, and the other two pairs that you know that, that played well. Now I, so, I don't know this. Did they win their next match? They won on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Okay, I can't remember. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good move, then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. It's they great did. to have this information though, because it just like you say normally you then say, oh, these haven't worked together. Let's change it. But when yeah. you actually look at the facts and the data, yeah. And it's also good for the players because it gives them a bit of confidence. You know, when, when, when they come off the golf course and they're deflated, they've lost, and you can feed back the information. You're the best two players today. Yeah, that gives them the confidence to yeah. think, well, we can go back out, we can win tomorrow because yeah. we've played great. Yeah, and it reinforces them. You know, they probably knew they've played well. Yeah, but everyone concentrates on the result. Of course they yeah. do. Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, yeah, that was a really good example of. And, and again with with Mollywood, Tommy, and um, Francesco, on the Friday morning, um, they didn't actually play that great. And, and um, you know there was a conversation that maybe we need to rest one of them in the afternoon or Tommy and and again it was around look, look we think as a foursomes pairing you can't get two players that are more accurate yeah, and straight yeah, than exactly. those two they're yeah. going to work let's stick with them and yeah. Then they yeah just went on a roll so yeah it's around trusting trusting the, the data but as always the players need to go out and execute and, they, and that's that's what wins the Ryder Cup the players on the golf course 
playing under pressure, which yeah, which is why they're there, and I'm it's part of the puzzle, isn't it? What to do. <laughs> no, 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 Tommy, don't go for the don't go for that flag. Just go a little bit further right. No, you won't do that. But it's, 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 it is interesting though that you can have an input into that. And it must yeah. be pretty cool for you to. Yeah, it's to good. It's good. It's nice, um, and and it's and it's kudos to the the captains too. Yes to understand and, and be forward thinking enough to embrace it and, and, yeah. and bring it in as part of their part of their you know, management and captaincy of the team. I think that's it shows you know real real good forward thinking from their part. Yeah. Okay, well let's talk about the um, the stats for for the listeners. You know, the average golfer is going out there let's say once, twice a week practicing. Yeah. Some of them might be some people want to record stats, some people maybe just haven't got a clue what to what to think about, what to look for, yeah. maybe a bit overwhelmed. What are the key stats that they should be going right? Maybe maybe if it's just taking making a start on it, what yeah. should be the stats that they should be looking at, the important ones that are going to give them good feedback for them? I think, like you said, there's so many different things you can do, you know, apps and all sorts to, to track your data, but it's being disciplined to do it. I think, yeah. you know, I think, I think people want to just play golf and enjoy yeah, it. Some so, people, yeah. so I think really in the first instance, if you could, and this is stuff you don't even particularly have to record out on the golf course, you could sit down at home afterwards and because and, and you, you remember this kind of stuff, you know, how many fairways did I hit? Where did I miss? Did I miss left or right on that hole? Okay, where did my approach shot go? Okay, I missed the green left. I'll, I'll note that down. I missed the green right. Okay, I landed on the green, I had a 40 foot putt and then I had a, a three foot putt and I hold them both. And if you can start tracking that basic data of, of where the ball landed, you know, and what was the resulting lie, I think, I think from there, you can A, start building a pattern of Right. Okay. Over the last six weeks, I've played. I've played 15 times, but I've, as I said before, I missed the fairway. Whenever I miss the fairway, it's always on the left-hand side. Yeah. And then that starts making you then make the next movement to right. I need to sort that out. Why am I doing that? Or you know, I've I've hit so many greens, but I'm three putting all the time. How is it that I'm hitting most greens in regulation, but my putts are my putts per round or my my you know average distance from the pin is really high? Why is that? And it starts then making the next leap to, well, I need to sort that out. Because it's not, you might think, I'm three-putting all the time, so I need to sort of putting out. But actually, the key might be, you're just not, you're hitting it miles from the pin all yeah. the time. So the amateur golfer might make that leap of, right, I need to just practice my putting, I need to get a putting lesson, I need to change my putter because I'm three-putting a lot. But the problem actually might be that you're just leaving yourself so far from the pin all the time that the, the key is you need to go and work on your approach play. Yeah. So, so the key thing with, with recording stats then, so... Is not, isn't necessarily just recording stats because if you record stats and you're looking at the wrong things yeah. then you're going to start practicing the wrong things yeah. and actually completely wasting yeah. your time so it is making sure that you're so for instance let's say just just if you went out there and says I'm going to record fairways greens and puts yeah that probably isn't going to give you a good idea of an indication of how good your game is it's not no. really going to give you no. a constructive sort of it gives you a pattern yeah it's going to give you a pattern but no, nothing really no. concrete no so I think, I think then you'd go to that leap of either entering your data into one of the many things that you can, or take, taking that information to your whoever you have lessons with, take that to them and say, look, this is what I've tracked and this is what I've found. Yeah. Because it will then give the coach a head start to think, right, I need to look at that. Why are you three-putting so much? Actually, how far? And then when they go out on the golf course, they can see that they're hitting it quite far from the pin. But, but I think understanding your distances is really important as well. Because a lot of amateurs probably don't know how far they hit each club, yeah. and it's not going to be accurate because you know 18 handicappers are going to hit the ball yeah. fairly inconsistently. Yeah. But I think if you had a fairly good grip on how far you hit the ball as well, you're going to start knowing. All right. Say you say you had a medal at the weekend and you wanted to go have a practice round in the week, you can start putting yourselves in positions where you think you're roughly going to be hitting the ball from because I know that I hit my 
my driver this far, so I'm going to put myself here and hit a couple of shots on this area, or I know that I, I can hit my six iron on this par three, so I'm going to hit a few shots there. And it's just understanding the distances and understanding your game better, like you say. But um, like you say, I think I think if you're only collecting sort of fairways, hitting greens, it's not going to give you a true indication. So I think I think if you're dedicated enough, if you can understand a bit more than that, there's plenty on the market and, yeah. and, and plenty of things available where you can start punching some numbers in it'll give you some numbers yeah. out. So if you are going to do it and you are yeah. going to make the effort, you might as well make yeah. a little bit more effort yeah. and record a little bit more detail whether you've missed fa fairway left or right, how far you are away from the pin and things like that. To get a good, to get some strokes gained feedback on, on a lot of the basic apps, all you need to know is how far was I from the pin on this shot yeah. and on where did the ball land? Did it land on the green, the rough, the bunker? As long as you can collect that information and maybe the club you use is not as important, but if you can collect that information knowing the distances and the resulting lie, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get some good feedback from that. Yeah. I think it is quite simple, isn't it? I mean, you, you, as you said there, as far as getting the fairway, sorry, the tee shot data, yeah. that's pretty simple. Did I yeah. hit it and where did I miss? Yeah. So you see the, ten, the yeah. tendencies there. But for the iron shots, the good thing is if you're seeing that you're putting from too far away or you're missing greens, then you can start asking the question, well, is it my, the fact I don't know my carry distances? Yeah. Is it the fact that I actually don't strike it that well consistently? Is it the fact that my equipment needs to be different? Exactly. So there's so many questions you can then start to explore on, which is which is great. I and then so. you've got a baseline to look for improvements, which obviously is very important as well. I think the key is I think as an amateur, you're not expected to know what the answer is. So if you yeah. can, if you can if you're having lessons and you're or you're you know using your guys stuff online yeah. and stuff, if you kind of if you can narrow down what's causing the bigger scores, yeah. then it gives you an idea of where to go from there. I think if you don't yeah. know, then you just don't know, do you? And I would say that there's so many golfers out there who are going to the range and not actually dedicating the right section of time to the area that needs the most work. Yeah, right. And if that's all we want to do, for the guys who are listening to this, if you can understand the areas that you're, let's <laughs> say it is 150 yards and you're really poor at that distance, yeah. but you're going down the range and working and you're, you're driving and putting, well, you, your scores aren't going to really get any better. Nice. So if we can dedicate that right time for the area that's going to make the biggest amount of difference to your game, then that's where your scores. And, and this is for, for, the, for the people who want to record stats. Some people play golf just for fun. Some people play golf because they want to get the handicap low, they want to improve the scores. And this is for somebody who really wants to improve their scores. This is really a, I think it's a must for anyone to really identify the, so. the truth, isn't it really? The yeah. truth of what's going on. It's objective, it's, it's the truth. It, it, it sometimes tells you stuff you don't want to hear, but yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it, like you say, I think, I think for golfers that just want to have a bit of fun, then you know, they can collect or do as much as they want. But I think for you know, guys that are tuning into this and do the stuff that you guys do, want to get better. Yeah. So I think having a good understanding of your game is key to that really, yeah. because you can, you can target your practice correctly. Hi everyone, Andy here, just letting you know about something that we've created just for you. MeAndMyGolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was, was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans. And we've seen some amazing results from these plans. And these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game, so you don't have to think or worry about what to do. We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score, fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. 
We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well. And we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game. So make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join. Check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community. I like, I like what you're saying about getting onto the golf course as well. Yeah. I think that's so important. You know, yeah. It's not always that easy to go to a golf course and start practicing yeah. on the course. You know, Maybe you're only allowed to get two golf balls. The golf course may be busy yeah. when you want to play. But I think if you can find a way of getting onto the golf course yeah. and putting some of that training in on there, I think it's going to massively help. I think as well. I mean, I mean you have guys listening from all over the world. I think if, if you know you're playing, if you're at that level of an amateur where you're playing you know, important competitions on a weekend, even walking around the golf course, if you know your distances, you can walk out on holes and you can say, well, I know I hit it 280 off the tee. Right, where's 280 on this hole? Okay, 280 mm. is here, that's good. Okay, what's left? Yeah, left. if I miss it left, I can hit the green from here. Right, okay, I can't go right, I'm dead. And just noting that down. So even if you don't have a chance to play a, a, a new golf course, yeah, particularly yeah. before you go and play, if you have a chance to go and walk out on a few holes yeah. you, and you know your distances, then you've got a good opportunity to go, right, this hole, I can't go right. Yeah. 280, I can hit it left because there's a lot of room over there, so fine. Just don't go right, let's make yeah. sure I'm aiming at the left. And just even that, yeah. that basic well, level of information is just going to help you. You can even do it online now with the yeah, GPS. You can do it online, exactly, exactly right. Like that. You can just being prepared. So, so it's a good idea then for the, for the listeners for this, if they play a course every single week, to go out there and look at the, look at the dangerous holes and yeah. go, well look, this is a hole that I just need to be safe on. Yeah. If I can get off here with a bogey, it's probably not too bad sometimes. Yeah. But there's going to be some holes where they can go, well, look, I can be a little bit more aggressive on this one. I can hit driver. There's not much of a risk. So really having a, a bit of a, an overall strategy on each hole yeah. that's really going to mount up to them producing a, a steady score. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, we've talked about this before. Sometimes hitting the green and being 40, 50 feet away is okay. But if the pin's on the left, if getting up and down on that hole isn't too tricky, yeah. have a go at the pin. Yeah. And if you miss it a few yards left and you're on the... You're in the on the fairway or the rough left. Back yourself to get up and down. You know, yeah. and I think I think that's that's what you're saying. If 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 there's no risk, then then I think you can. But it's it's understanding where you're playing for sure. Yeah. And understanding your own game is really important. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Okay, let's let's get into some disciplines because we've got some questions for sure that we uh, but we want to know the answer to. But I think we we've got a few ideas on some of them. But it's always good to know. So look, I'm talking for the pros first. Yeah. And then the amateurs. Yeah. What, we know with the pros that if we look at the top 10 players in the world, they all hit the golf ball a long way. Yeah. So basically my question is, our question is, what's most important, distance or accuracy? Off the tee. For pros, I would say at the moment, the way the game moved, I think um, distance isn't really important yeah. because there's a correlation between the longest hitters and the world rankings. It's, mm. it's always there. You look at the driving stats every year, it's the same folk and it, they're always at the top of the game. So I think I think driving distance is really important. I think um, amateurs, I think distance is important, but I think the difference between the pros and the amateurs off the tee is that the pros' bad shots aren't as bad as the amateurs' bad shots. Yeah. So for an amateur, I think accuracy is probably more important, mm-hmm. um, with some distance, obviously, you don't want to be hitting eight and off the tee, but yeah. <laughs> I think a destructive shot for an amateur is probably a lot more destructive than it is for a pro. So I think, it's going back to what we just talked about as well, it's, it's around, Knowing your game, knowing how bad your worst shot is, and then working out, you know, do I need to take driver here? But I think distance for pros is really important. I think the game, the way it's going, the, the way the game is going, I think um, 
if you can hit it long, you've got a big advantage, especially in the States and some of the courses yeah. they play. But for amateurs, I think if you can hit it long, great. But I think being accurate sets you up for a, a much better chance of doing a good score because the bad shots are always yeah. worse. Always yeah. trying to understand what that real bad shot yeah. is and then yeah. just sort of and I think down. And I think for an amateur, I think the key is should be reducing the amount of bad shots as well, more than trying to make yeah. the more good shots. If they yeah. can reduce the amount of destructive shots off the tee, mm. you're going to see a massive upturn in your scores. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus yeah. it's harder at the rough as well, you know. You know, Generally amateurs aren't as good at the rough as the pros are, so you put yeah. them in the rough and it's just and even then harder. It impact, and then it puts pressure on your short game because exactly. you've, got to, you've got to pitch it. And then you left yourself a 10 foot putt for par and then the pressure's on there. So that one tee shot can put pressure on all the other parts of your game. Of course. Yeah. So this, this actually brings on nicely to the next, next question then. So obviously all <coughs> disciplines in the game are important. Yeah. But again, for pros and then for amateurs, what's the most important one that you see? Yeah, everyone's games. If I think at the moment for, I think obviously driving distance is is big for pros at the moment. But I also think um, if you look at the top of the top of the approach play stats at the moment, the ball strikers you've got Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas yeah. Colin Morikawa, yeah. and they win golf tournaments. Yeah. yeah, no, they're hitting it closer than everyone else, which is giving them more opportunities to make, you know, to make birdies. So I think um, I think approach play, strokes gain, approach play is really important in the in the pro game um, for amateurs. Um, I think being a good putter will help obviously I think if you're an amateur I think if you can hold putts but again I think if you can get yourself off the tee you know in play I think it takes the pressure off the rest of your game I think it gives you a better chance of, of, of hitting a good score so for yeah. me I think I think that, that driving it kind of makes important. sense it kind of makes sense that you're just <clears> looking to limit the damage, the damage off the tee so you're trying to control up. chaos so yeah, something exactly. we've spoke about before so if you think that you know, tee shots can be very chaotic, and if yeah. you can just make them a little, calm them down a little yeah. bit, limit the damage, and then almost do the same with the irons, and then as you get to the short game and the putting, then hopefully it's a little, you have them a little bit less. We, we worked with a player who was really struggling on their par fives scoring, and we worked it out as simple as this, and it, and it sounds really easy. Because he was a good putter, we just said, all your aim is, is to be within 20 foot of the hole after three shots. Yeah. And when you say it like that on par five, <laughs> it sounds really easy. Yeah, yeah. But everyone always gets the driver out, tries to smash it, tries yeah. to get a three without, tries to rip it the green. But if you if you process that information, and think, okay, all I need to do is be within twenty feet and three shots. That feels really achievable, yeah. even for someone that's a you know, yeah, yeah. lowish handicap yeah. or mid handicap, feels achievable. So yeah, setting yourself those kind of goals. Yeah, breaking it down into just a simple form, then isn't it? It definitely definitely changes your outlook mm. on it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Stop right. trying to hit it on the green pace. No, nope, never. Just sounds, <laughs> it just sounds achievable, doesn't it? Of course it does. Yeah. If you still, if you, Next time, you know, people listen. Next time you go and play around, if you think on par fives, all I want to do now on the, every par five is I want to try and be within twenty foot after three shots. Yeah, feels achievable. And, yes. and if you can leave yourself within, let's say, within a hundred yards for your third shot, then that would, I think, golfers would think a little bit differently instead of just hitting driver three wood and then and just try and get in the trees there. on the rough on the left. And you think I've got yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can hit three wood, seven iron wedge, and, and yeah. you, then you're. You know, if you're not in 20 feet, but at least you put in. But I think this is also good as well. I mean, I don't know what our strokes gains are from, say, let's say between 50 and 75 yards, or even let's say between 25 and 75 yards. But I would say Andy's strokes gain would be better than mine between 25 and 75. Yeah. So for him, he's comfortable going into that area. Yeah. Whereas I'd say, well, I prefer to be 75 to 100. Exactly. Right. And I think a lot of amateur golfers would need to think of it where are they strong and that goes back to what we were talking play. about before about knowing your game as well if yeah. you know if you know that i'm really good from 100 yards just leave yourself that don't leave yeah. yourself 
yeah. 40 yards, yeah. Yeah. where you might think, oh, this is a well, fairly powerful shot. Yeah, it's a little exactly. bit easier if you don't practice a lot, isn't it? It's a 100-yard shot, it's kind of like, well, it's a full swing. It's a full wedge, yeah. Whereas like, I've got a 45-yard shot, and I'm right in between, and I, when was the last time I practiced one of these? Oh, duff. And then you duff it into the bunker. <laughs> and, then you, and then the great thing about this, though, just drop the pen, is... <coughs> Sorry. It's to not guess, you know, it's to think, yeah. oh yeah, I think I'm good from 100 yards, let's leave myself that. But it's, it's also not thinking of the consequence. If, you're stood, if you've hit a great shot down a par five and you just get your three wood out because you think, I can reach the green from here. Well, you might be able to reach the green from here, but worse, you know, you might hit an, an average shot. You might be in the rough on the right yeah. and you're still going for your par. Exactly. Why not just give yourself the mm. chance to be, you know. And you can derive so much more confidence from <laughs> numbers as well. If you know, if you're recording your results and you go, and your results are saying, look, if from 100 yards, I'm pretty good. Yeah. So if, you, if, you, you're, if you're leaving yourself that yardage, knowing that you're good from 100 yards, what are you going to feel like over that golf ball? You've got, you've got facts, you've got proof, you've got, you're ready to go, aren't you? Which is a, a real yeah. powerful yeah. thing. We all would like to be a bit more confident over those shorter ones. It's exactly when, we, um, when Danny Willett won the Masters in 16. Um, he turned up late to the tournament because his wife just had a baby. Just and a baby, We yeah. worked with his caddy, um, Jonathan Smart around his preparation for the tournament and a lot of the preparation was around the par fives and it was around a <coughs> using Danny's data and the historical data at the Masters should he go for all the par fives so yes he should because he's good enough but then the next layer on that was if we can't go for them using Danny's data and the historical data at the Masters where's the best place for him to lay up yeah and on the last round on the Sunday he got blocked out left on 15 I think it was he couldn't go for the green but without any pressure or any Having to think about it, Jonathan knew exactly the layup area that Danny needed to hit because he knew that from 80 to 90 yards he was one of the best in the world. So, decision made, put the ball there, perfect. Here's your club, hit that club, club to that the, spot. Did you make, you made birdie then? He made par. <laughs> <laughs> no, he made birdie. He made birdie. <laughs> but he didn't hit to 50 yards and then duff it in the water. Exactly. But in that moment, <laughs> in that moment he... Um, yeah. There, was, there, was no, there was no pressure, was it was clarity. Yes. I know what I'm good at, I know where I need to yeah. be. And, it, and like you say, he had the confidence to know I'm actually great from this distance. And if you think about him being blocked out on that hole with the pressure mm. he was under, because he was yeah. on a run of obviously yeah. a really good yeah, final round, yeah. a par wouldn't have been the end of the world no. if he put himself in a little bit of yeah. trouble. Cause he would have if been... he tried to go for the green around the trees or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or knocked it down the hill to left himself yeah. a little 20, foot or over, 20 yard or over yeah, the water, he could have gone long or spun it back into the water. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah put himself at his optimum distance just made it it took the pressure off and it yeah. just gave clarity in a moment of real like a stressful situation yeah yeah, yeah basically probably it's about five foot you just missed the foot but i can't remember exactly <laughs> okay so let's i've got a, i've got a couple of questions here but i'm going to put into one actually so what's the area of the game that most amateurs waste their time on so the, mm -hmm. they waste their time on and maybe coupled with that as well what's the biggest myth in stats okay so i think the area that amateurs probably waste most of the time is probably their short game Oh my God, people falling <laughs> over at home now. I'm just what? practicing short game today. <laughs> You're not, not launching the short game practice this week, <laughs> We've got complete chip in the couple weeks, actually. <laughs> Cancel that. <laughs> but no, that's, yeah, that's no, interesting. I, so why? Why is that? I think because, but more so, but because you can make bigger gains elsewhere. Of course. I'm not saying don't, don't practice your of short course. game. Of course, yeah. I'm not saying that. I think, um, I think everyone that's a fairly good golfer is fairly capable of chipping a ball onto a green and... At an amateur level, how many of them are putting it stiff to then make that shot? They're normally knocking them on. The gains you can make there are quite small in yes. terms of how it's going to improve your scores. But I think the gains, if you worked on that 150, 175, and you were putting yourself on the green, yep. not putting yourself there, you had to use a short game, yes. and improving your proximity and giving yourself more birdie chances, I think that's where you'll see quicker gains as an amateur yeah. and your scores will come down quicker. 
I think this is definitely when Mark Brody came out with yeah. all of these the yeah. strokes gain stuff that he was like saying irons are number one because yeah. it does it takes if you can improve a little bit yeah the gain is bigger by virtue of the fact you're you're chipping onto a green it means you've missed in the first place there we go. so it means you're only going to make a putt yeah. exactly so exactly. yeah but if you practice your own play and you stick on the you'll give yourself more birdie chances so yeah 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 no, that makes, that's obviously amazing. practice your short game but uh and Make sure your own play is stellar first. Oh yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and and, and complete chipping's coming out in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, really it's worth the best part of that chipping. <laughs> it actually is as well. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so are there any myths out there that you see that people? I mean, I mean, the biggest one is the whole drive for show put for day, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we looked at four of the top five drivers in the world are ranked in the top ten of the world rankings, but or not the and well yeah the world rankings, but none of the top five in putting worldwide are in the top hundred in the world. Okay. So, yeah, I think um, that myth again, practice your putting. But I think the myth of that myth of drive for show, putt for dough. Practice um, your putting if you're getting your irons close. Yeah, <laughs> you can't be putting for dough if your driver's in the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A good point. I like it. I like it. Right, we've got one more question before we get into the quick fire round. Then, Dunk, what's the biggest success story you've had at Fifteenth Club? Um, <clears throat> I think Danny winning the Masters. I've just explained was was massive for us because we we'd only been. You know, in the in the professional golfing field for about a year, then so really, really good for us to um, sort of prove our work, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like show that what we did was was mm-hmm. was, um, was working help. and helpful. Um, and really, the Ryder Cup in eighteen was excellent as well. The American team came over; they were they were you know the best American team ever assembled. And um, look at the relationship we had with with Thomas and seeing a captain trust what we did. To enhance what he did um, was really rewarding, and and the Presidents Cup, even though we lost, um, we had a really good run at it with um, Ernie on the you know on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the pairings that we put together, which he trusted completely, all delivered, and uh, just couldn't hang on to the singles when the, when the world rankings yeah. just yeah. showed out a little bit. So yeah, yeah. the players have still got to do the bit, haven't they? Which is keeping <laughs> as you say, exactly. They've still right. got to perform. It's it's a you know, the stats are just play a part in it and make it a bit easier, but they, like you say, I when think, it comes to it. I think when you go head to head and you, I mean, the, the international team is obviously packed with talent, but I just, it was, it was just, that, just, we needed a little bit more, more points ahead yeah. on the last day, because the Americans are just, you know, they're good, aren't they? And I think, I think by day four, they'd got their heads around Royal Melbourne as well. Yeah. So they'd learned how to play it, which yeah. they didn't do on the first two days, because yeah. it's, it's hard, you yeah, know, yeah. it's a tr- tough track and yeah. Ernie, you know, Ernie's a master around that golf course. Shot sixty round there and, and one round there a few times. So that's what we shot when we played it, wasn't it? Sixty round. It was playing the front nine, that was. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but Ernie had really drilled into the players, you know, how to play the golf course, and he knew, you know, where they sh- what we've talked about before, where they shouldn't be hitting driver and where they should be, where yeah. the ball should be put. So he really used his experience there was massive. And I think the Americans took a few days to yeah. work out how to play that kind of golf course. Yeah. But, I mean, Tiger was unbelievable all week. He's, he was a different, different level. Sets so it for him though, doesn't it? Because the approach yeah. play is, yeah. is where it's at but on that course, it, isn't it? It demonstrated, he was the best player all week because it, it showcased his ability to change shot shape and yeah. Yeah. ball flight. We need him on those greens, don't yeah, we? Yeah, which, which is where he stood out a lot there because his, his ball flight and his shot shape and changing it as well to adapt to the golf course just yeah. showed how good he is. Yeah, yeah. Pretty decent. All right, so we always do it. We've got some quick fire questions. You've been fantastic with your time, so I really appreciate that. Um, who's the who works the hardest on tour? Apart from your man Aaron, <laughs> who I'm not going to say because the people think I'm biased, yeah. but he is. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Yep. I'll say. Okay. okay. Really hard worker, diligent, prepares well, knows his numbers. Great team around him. So I'll go for Matt. Okay. 
So whether this is stats based or your opinion or even <laughs> other people's opinions based, the best ball striker. Tiger in his day, but currently Justin Thomas. Yeah. Colin Morikawa is not far mm-hmm. away. Yeah. But Justin, just for just from that longevity, a bit more than Colin at the moment. Yeah. So I guess Justin. Haven't yeah. seen much. Of, I mean, I saw him at Aaron Hills. Yep. I think that was. I think that's the only time I've seen him. But I haven't really watched him hit any golf balls. No. I'd Rory, like to. Rory as well though. I mean, you always struggle to not yeah, choose Rory. Yeah. I think. I think. I think if they all played their best on the same day, I think Rory would. Do you know what? It's interesting. I think listening to Rory on one of the podcasts, and he was talking about him and Justin Thomas. He was saying, "Me and Justin Thomas are the hardest workers out there." He says, "I see how hard Justin Thomas puts the work in." He says, "And I know I put the work in." He says, yeah, "Me and him are the hardest workers mm-hmm. on the week podcast." On the week podcast, yeah. yeah we work with um, we work closely with um, Rory on his pre-tournament preparation. We look work with Harry as caddy, and Harry is one of the hardest working people. Up. Yeah, we work with him golf as well. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah people. There was a misconception when he first came out that he was, he was Rory's friend and carrying mm-hmm. the bag, but he's, he does his preparation he's diligently, yeah. You can't yeah. not, can you? You can't no. not do it no. and, and be that successful, really. Yeah, and ju- just uh, the quick fires, they've gone out the water. <laughs> uh, how important is the role of the caddy in that instance there? So oh, like Harry's obviously far, working really hard. Far more than it used to be. But even though then obviously they're saying the right things on the course and yeah. understanding, almost prepping to say the right thing to each other almost. I think so. I think, I think A, pre-tournament preparation is worlds away from what it used to be for, yeah. for the caddies I think they they're, they're all professionals now it's a professional you know, it yeah. was a professional job before of course yeah. it was but they're all you know there's a lot more they do now they're not just bad carriers they're, yeah. they're psychologists they're performance coaches they're statisticians and everything aren't they? But I, think, I think they're right I think the key with, bags <laughs> I think the key with them I think the key with caddies as well and the golfers with coaches as well as you know is is knowing when to deliver both good and bad information. Yes, I think that's key. It's 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 understanding your golfer to know when you've got to you've got to deliver the information that's going to help them and deliver the information that's going to going to tell them something they need to know. Okay. Um, but I think the best caddies um, are probably all fairly strong-willed and mm-hmm. are confident enough to tell the players what they need to know at the right yeah. times. Yeah. I think you have to be. I think if you're a yes man, I think yeah, I think you might struggle with those yeah. players because. Yeah, well, they need help, don't they? They, 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 they want you there for they a need reason. You, they need a calm person in, in, in a stressful situation as well. They need that clarity to say, this is what we're doing, you need to do this. Um, it's down yeah. to the player at the end of the day, but I think all the best caddies in the world are very confident to be able, and have a good enough relationship with the player to be able to, be able to yeah. tell, them, tell them how it is. Yeah, yeah. love it. Right, back to the, back to the quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the longest? Short-term Bryson. Go, go on again. <laughs> I'm not sure how long he can sustain it. Yeah. From from a uh, off course, keeping up that yeah. bulk to injuries. Yeah, yeah. Which I worry about. Health. Yeah. I can see a world where he has a, he has an 18 month purple patch of winning a couple mm-hmm. of majors and a sh- you know. Can have a year off. Really good success. <laughs> not that he wasn't successful before, and then I don't know. Yeah. But longest I would say consistently. I think Rory's again. He's consistently good. Um, Cameron Jump, very long. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good he's got the high speeds, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he not that efficient. So just his, it's just his launch yeah. and, and spin. He hits down on the ball quite a bit, whereas yeah. Rory hits up on the ball yeah, quite yeah. a bit. And Rory's getting Rory's ball flight's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. How high is it? Oh, it's it's yeah. crazy, isn't it's it? Great. Yeah. But currently, Bryson. But we'll see. Yeah. Ask me in a year. If you still we'll see, see if he's still there. <laughs> Who's got the best short game? Um, I still through a broad area. I still think I'm going to go for Luke Donald here. Yeah. Um, he's still. Doesn't play as much as he used to, but he's still 
up at the top of the stats all the time. He's, you know, I think if you if if I was going to tell anyone to go and watch someone short game and done something, I think he'd probably be here with you. He was last week's podcast, so if you didn't listen to that one, go back and listen yeah, to that one. But uh, yeah, he's, he's he's just phenomenal, isn't he? Yeah, always has been. He's just he's great, and he, and he was a great putter as well. So yeah, that's yeah. why he got to world number one. Yeah. yeah. Didn't get to world number one by winning majors, and, and that yeah. he got to world number one by being consist- consistently good all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings the next one: best putter um, that we've worked with, definitely Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah he's, he's consistently been good since he came out on tour. Always tops the rankings. Um, Stats wise, just got doing the best out there. I think Denny McCarthy's top of the rankings. At the moment. He's played yeah. a lot of rounds as well, so he's, I think he's played eighty plus rounds, and he's. He's um, top of the ranking, so he's good. I think Fitzy's second. A um, lot of good putters out there. I think um, Jason Day in his time was mm. went through a spell. I think he didn't miss a putt under five foot for about three years, um, which is madness. <laughs> do well three holes. But, but, um, <laughs> Just got a quick question on, on putting. The so, for instance, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Where is a for those guys? Where's the important? I suppose distance that they should be spending their time practicing their putts. And then for amateurs, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for, yeah. I think for amateurs, to answer that first, probably longer putts. Yeah. To learning how to lag a putt up to yeah. a, a, What sort of length would you say? I, I, I was 30, 40 feet, I think. Again, know you're in game, but I, yeah. think, I think amateurs are going to face a lot more. I think amateur will face a lot more 30, 40 foot putts and then three, four, five foot foot putts. Yeah. Because they've, you know, they're not hitting it as close and then they're not leaving themselves a gimme. So those things. But I think. The key area I think for pros is that 10, 10 to 20 foot, 10 to yeah. 15 foot, mm. where they're probably a lot of those. leaving a lot of those to make birdies. And we, it's interesting when we look at, um, going off topic a little bit, but when we look at players, how they they make percentage when it's um, for par versus birdie as well. Okay, There's yeah. a real differentiation with some players. Is there really, yeah? Because of that mindset of, I need to hold this for, yeah. for par. So you find a lot of whole... You know, for par putts go in, and then for birdie, it's almost like feels like a free free hit. So. Okay, it's interesting. I, there's a there's a guy who I've coached over the years, and good golfer, uh, a guy called Richard Green, and and he not the pro golfer, but um, <laughs> the very good county golfer. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not him. <laughs> no. Um, and he would say I was so much better at holding par putts. Yeah. So I've never missed par putts, but I struggled on birdie putts. Mentality. Yeah. Plus plus one golfer, but you know, you look at it and going, well, he believed that. And that probably obviously led to the fact he was continuing yeah, to do yeah. that. But if you got him over a par putt, he wasn't missing. That I think as well, the important thing with putting is a lot of putts just get characterised as a, or, or categorised, sorry, as a, as a 10 foot putt. But there's so many, you, you need to practice those uphills, downhills, left and right, and be mm. good at all types of putts as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think people just generally, you go to most golf clubs, putting greens are flat, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. People yeah. just practice yeah. that. And how often do you have a flat putt? Never. So. And you, and I'm sure that the best players that you work with, the most diligent players, are aware of how good they are on a left to right versus yeah. a right to left. I think so, yeah. I think there's a lot of, a lot of putting coaches, like Phil Kenyon, for example, yeah. has, has that, you know, in his studios and that ability to be able to sort of categorise the putts and the players know yeah. how good they are. Like an eight foot putt's not an eight foot putt, it's yeah, all no, different no. every time. No. Um, so for amateurs, yeah, another bit of advice, I think, if, you, if you're on a quiet golf course, practice those left to right because mm. the putting green's always flat isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I love that I love that Duncan thank you so much for your time pleasure we look forward to obviously continuing to work with you as well yep. obviously but um, it's been really good really good insight I think it's always nice to hear stories yeah. about what the best players are doing and what have you but it's always nice to get for the people listening to us to get something that they can Absolutely. use themselves and action themselves so thanks so much for your time uh, where can the guys uh, listen to this? Go and follow 15th Club yeah. or for yourself? Yeah, follow at 15th Club and myself at Duncan Kerry Golf on Twitter. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, Duncan. No problem.
Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.